This episode is brought to you by New Balance. You don't have to be an elite athlete when you pound the pavement. Whether you've run five marathons or you only run when necessary, whether you're chased by bears, zombies, monsters, the apocalypse is coming, but New Balance will have you covered regardless. Whether you need shoes for comfort, stability, or race day speed, they've got you covered because the only right way to run is your way. New Balance, run your way. Visit newbalance.com slash running to learn more. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Hello, elegant listeners. What? Are we starting? Uh, I mean, that was a... Uh, uh, no, go ahead. <laughs> oh, hello, elegant listeners, and welcome to Go, my favorite sports team, your favorite illustrious sports podcast, both for sports people and not sports people alike. I'm Tyler Scheid, and I am your, you know, expert host, your master of sports, king of balls and holes galore the man with the know-how the man with the master's degree and i am joined by the ever so handsome and talented mark man this is the most complimentary intro we've ever had i usually talk shit to you like in the opening five minutes and just like try to batter you down to make myself feel better but now we both feel good yeah we had a really good conversation before all of this Mm. i don't know why i stuttered on conversation but i did and it was just one of those things that it was like, you know, it's good to see you. It's good to be able to have some actual like hang out and talk about other things besides work, even though we kind of just talk about each other's like passions in our work. I'm but. getting like the vibes of a prisoner in solitary confinement <laughs> when the door opens for the first time in a month. It's so good to see you, guard. Oh, man, is it food time again? You want to eat with me? Oh, I remember our last conversation a month ago. It was so nice. How's the wife? Dead? Oh, no. That's just like, good job. (laughs) Anyway, no, it's good to see you, too. You're looking handsome. Thank you. Thank you. Your pink beanie is delightful. I think that was the first thing I mentioned when I walked in the door. It was. I like your pink beanie. And I like your GMFS t-shirt, which is available at store.gmfst.com. Yeah, and I like your iFinger sports hat. I'm not wearing it. You, you don't, <laughs> don't lie. Don't lie. I don't know where it is. It's somewhere at home. Oh, it might be in my car still. I have. I mean, I have, it's on my head. Oh, yeah. I have you know three what? hats. Yes. You know what? I'm going to order five more of them just mm-hmm. so you have one in every location. You're like, oh, I could just grab it. Yeah. <laughs> I do like it. It's just like I, I also like this one. I, yeah. I've started to accessorize. So I have a blue jacket and I wear I have this blue hat that I'm currently wearing. So, you know, I'm trying to like be a little more fashionable. Nice. Nice. That's yeah. something I need to work on. Yeah. And we also need to do an episode eventually on sports fashion. But that's not today. That's not today? No. Mm. No. Today we will be talking about another winter sport Mm. that... Shush! Don't say anything yet because it's not time for that. The ghosts! (laughs) No! Yes, it's true. People may have loved the love primer. Was it called the love primer? <laughs> no, it was the is dating a sport. Oh, okay, because that's that's basically what this one this jacuzzi says in front of me. <laughs> the love primer, literally, like, and I was like, that's a good name for it. Amethyst render love primer would be a, a good book. 
for like a sex therapy book or like a learning to love in the modern age kind of book. But yeah, it's how to how to reach orgasm and climax. Let's no, that is not what it was. <laughs> what? It's a primer on love, isn't that? Oh, well, I guess love that'd be a primer on love necessarily making. tied to sex. Yeah, that's different. Yeah, that's different. That's okay. different. Okay, that's fair. That's different. Yeah, Ugh. primer on love is how you uh, pervert. You pervert. Pervert. This is a PG-rated podcast. Probably not. <laughs> there's no there's way. There's no way. Yeah, there's no way. But anyway, Amethyst Render said, Jacques on the love primer lacking an important reference. I am extremely disappointed. How dare you guys discuss the, quote, sport of dating and not once mention the age-old allegory of the baseball bases to the stages of a relationship. I went into this episode patiently waiting for Mark to make a witty joke about what his mythical fifth base would stand in for a relationship and was bitterly disappointed. Shame, Mark. Shame. No, this is supposed to be a Jacuzzi sketch. You. <laughs> oh, <what> me? <laughs> what did I do? <laughs> you didn't bring it up. Wow, we got Tyler's true laugh there. <laughs> No, I I didn't even think about this. Uh, I I guess this is egg on my face. What would the fifth base be in love? Because first base, it's uh, it's French. For, what? Yeah. So the way I've always done bases is it's the four F's of friendship. <laughs> French feel finger fuck. <laughs> I hate that. <laughs> I hate that you said that. Never say that again. All right. Because is it? It's like making out was what I know. Yeah, my, my <laughs> French. That's French. <laughs> you know, making out over the clothes, under the clothes doesn't have to be that specifically. Oh, and then oh. you know, home run is no sex. All right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, no, so what would the fifth anal? <laughs> <laughs> threesomes? No, 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 no. Add more people? No, no, no. Because threesomes, like, that's that wouldn't be for everybody. I'm not the type right, of person right. that has ever had, like, a fantasy about a threesome because I feel like it would be too much responsibility for me. <laughs> I think mine is more like, yeah, because you're trying to deal with multiple people at once, and it's like... I'm you're trying to deal with multiple people? <laughs> I'm like, you're juggling them in the air. Like, oh, oh, no. I'm gonna, and then a fourth person walks in like, I can't handle it. I'm going to drop one. No, it's just like um, mythical fifth base is when you ascend five feet into the air, just like baseball. Lightning shoots out of your fingers and your dick. <laughs> or respective genitalia. Wait, wait. Um, the fifth base. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe it's like some sort of major kink. No, because that would be so isolating. Everyone has different kinks. Yeah, that's true. We're not going to do a kink primer, so no, I think we should not. probably move off from this jacuz a little bit. Anyway, I'm sorry for Tyler's twisted mind, his perverted nature, his true laugh emerged when he was really, <laughs> really experiencing what he feels inside. Anyway, uh, this is a related jacuz from Lizzie the Loser. Tyler, my beloved boy. My sweet oh. summer child. Oh. How could you go through the whole Valentine's Day episode without mentioning Aphrodite or St. Valentine? Truly stumbling on the playing field of love and how iconic they are to love in the holiday. Also, thanks to GMFSD for getting me my partner. This podcast does, in fact, attract mates. Wow. Hey, that's why we did the dating primer, apparently. Yeah, you know, well, the love primer. Well, that's, that's yeah, well, um, first of all, mm -hmm. Aphrodite is a Greek goddess. Mm-hmm. There's no need to mention it. It's the goddess of love. There's there's multiple goddesses of love across multiple different cultures. There's really no reason in the context of what we were talking about to mention that. Mm -hmm. The St. Valentine thing and Valentine's Day, I can kind of understand, but let's be honest. The real reason Valentine's Day exists is like Mark explained, they needed a holiday mm -hmm. between 
Christmas and whatever the next holiday is, what, St. Patrick's Day? Uh, if you could even call that one. That's yeah. not really a shopping holiday. What they needed Fourth was a July. shopping holiday where people buy people presents. And really, right. it's like until, like, there's really not much present buying. So February, you know, 14th was like the excuse to, oh, you got to get at least one present. It's just not a very high consumer time of the year. So, yeah, it's ridiculous. Lizzie the Loser? What are you talking about? Yeah, how dare you? Yeah, how dare you? So, we got another one here. Uh, Weasel Radio. What in good grievous travesty. Call it a decuse for both of you, but how could you release a non-football-related episode the week of the Super Bowl? Only the biggest event of the football calendar, and we get an episode on dating being a sport? I get that these are pre-recorded, but this event doesn't just pop up that week. Jackies! Listen, we're not an American sports podcast. Mm -hmm. We're not a football podcast. Mm -hmm. We're an illustrious mm -hmm. sports of the world podcast. Mm -hmm. And if there's one thing you need to note, we covered it last year. Mm -hmm. There's nothing really to add. What am I going to be like? Oh, it's the Chiefs versus the Eagles. And then get in the details of each team. And mm -hmm. Mark just sits there drooling out of his mouth, not understanding a damn word that I'm saying. No, and the majority of the listeners also doing the same thing and then being like, oh, I'm not going to listen. This is kind of just read hashing what we already talked about. No, we expand mm -hmm. across the globe and examine all of the sport that exists out there. I'm not just some stubborn American that's like, my sports only. We like to give everybody their due. And my excuse is I didn't even know the Super Bowl this weekend. So, I mean, that's also valid because most people want both teams to lose, including me. All right, fair enough. I don't think that's an outcome, but maybe there's a rule that I didn't hear about in the primer, and that would be <laughs> Tyler's fault, not mine. <laughs> all right. Last one by Saint Soleil. Oh, Tyler isn't French. Okay, Tyler, you liar. After listening to the episode on curling and dating, I'm beginning to think you are one big phony. Clearly, you're not German, but also you're not French. Twice have you mispronounced C H A M O N I X. Chamonix. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I've tweeted this to you, telling you how to pronounce it, and you saw it. It's Chamonix. Chamonix. I've been there. I think it's time you come clean and stop your lies. What are you, Tyler? What are you? Uh, human. No. What, what box do we put you in? <laughs> put me in the box of myself. I'm just me. <laughs> Solitary confinement. Okay, back in the hole. <laughs> All right, and the ghosts have been purged for another week. They're satiated. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Most of them lost in battle. I like that you didn't answer the question of what you were, and let's keep that a nebulous mystery. Yeah, why should I? Why do I have to put myself in a box? Why does he have to put himself in a box? This episode is brought to you by New Balance. You don't have to be an elite athlete when you pound the pavement. Whether you've run five marathons or you only run when necessary, whether you're chased by bears, zombies, monsters, the apocalypse is coming. But New Balance will have you covered regardless. Whether you need shoes for comfort, stability, or race day speed, they've got you covered. Because the only right way to run is your way. New Balance. Run your way. Visit newbalance.com slash running to learn more. 
This episode is brought to you by Rocket Money. You know all those subscription websites, they just hide those charges from you, they're hidden and repetitive and you forget about them? Oh, I know exactly which websites you're talking about. The ones that you like to go to. You do? I've literally spent so long digging through my finances. Rocket Money can help cancel your subscriptions. You're saying Rocket Money is a personal finance app that helps and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so you can grow grow your savings? Absolutely, yes. With Rocket Money, I have full control over my subscriptions and a clear view of my expenses? Uh-huh, yeah. Rocket Money will even try to negotiate lower bills for me? Up to 20%? Maybe. But for our listeners, definitely yes. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash sportsteam. That's R-O-C-K-E-T-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash S-P-O-R-T-S-T-E-A-M. That's rocketmoney.com sports team life is a highway and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches but there's only one mc crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour all right to the actual meat of the matter what is the meat i've it's, been eating so much meat these days it's losing oh it's yeti meat i'll probably be pretty tough and gamey oh hard to say Anyway, would you eat a yet? Because there's like an idea that the yetis are kind of offshoots of you know. Yeah, would it be common ancestor? I mean, would you eat a monkey? I would if not. I, if, I would not. If I had to, outside of a survival situation, like yeah, you're at no. a restaurant, they're like, we have a monkey. Okay, hold on. That that's not really fair because I'm a man who kind of wants to try every potential animal just to see what they taste like, except sure. for human. Sure. So I probably would try it, but I probably wouldn't like order a whole. thing. Thing and then eat it consistently. If you were in a survival situation, would you eat another person? No, I'd have them eat me. How do you know? Because I'd probably die first in a survival situation. You have an unlimited amount meds. of your medications. Oh, still probably eat me. But are you going to what? <laughs> are you just going to turn your back? <laughs> do, 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 eat me! <laughs> oh it's like somebody instead of kick me sticks a little. Yeah, what, are you gonna pop an apple in your myself. mouth, put yourself on a spit, and throw yourself on the fire? Like there's a few steps prior to them eating you. <laughs> You're in perfect health. Everyone else is is about to kick the bucket. Someone died, drops dead right in front of you. You're, you're two people out and surviving, and you're like, oh, we're going to make it, buddy, whatever. And they're like, yeah, we're going <gasps> to heart attack dead. But I don't know if they're diseased. They say, oh, man, I hope this bomb in my heart doesn't go off. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> they're dead. They're perfectly eatable. You're starving. You haven't eaten for three weeks. Okay. In my mind, I'd like to say I'd have some humanity and be like, I don't want to do that because I wouldn't want to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think survival instincts in that matter and the self-preservation mentality would give in and I probably would. Yeah, that's actually uh, probably the closest to the truth that any of us can get without being in this situation. There's been numerous accounts of people that have fought with all willpower that they would never. But until you've been three weeks without food on death's doorstep, and there is something to eat in front of you. It's hard to say. I'd like to say the same. I would love to say that, like, I would rather starve to death than know the rest of my life that I've eaten someone else. 
I would like to be able to do that. And I would try my damnedest to go through with that. But I don't know. I've never been in the situation. I've never felt the overwhelming hunger. I've never gone more than two days without food in my life. Yeah. That's something that like I've never done like a week fast or anything like that. I've never had that that experience of being in starvation mode. I don't know what it's like. But at the same time, we're getting off subject. Yetis. (laughs) Would you eat a Yeti? In the meat of the matter. In that situation? I would probably try it. Okay. How about restaurant? Yeah, if they had Yeti. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, I wouldn't. That's fair. I feel like I still want to. I'm still upset that I didn't get to try kangaroo when we were in Australia because they're like the deer of Australia. Mm. Well, you can always go back. It's true. It's true. Anyway, we need to get to the meat of the matter. That's not the meat. Okay. We're talking about sledding, particularly luging. Luging. Yes. So, Mark. Yes. You've been sledding. Yes. You've skied on ice. Yes. I've skated on ice. I have skied on ice accidentally. Yeah. Okay. All right. When you when we talked about your your ski wreck, you hit yeah, ice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But have you ever sledded down ice? I mean, I don't think specifically. There might have been some icy snow, but it was still snow. You How know? about built a sledding track? Have I built a yeah. sledding track? Well, I'm glad you asked. Finally, <laughs> I can talk about my history in the sled industry. <laughs> <laughs> the way you built your own bobsled yes, run yes, and lose yes, down yes, it. Yes, I do. No, I have never. Never like a ramp or any pathing or anything? You've never done that with snow? Oh, to like sled yeah. better? Oh, yeah. I've built a small, I'm totally like a tiny baby ramp of like right. a little bit. Right. Um, I've done that not on snow and cr- crashed horribly. <laughs> so... In some sense, you've kind of sort of did the early stages of luge. Okay. So in simple terms, luge is a timing-based race uh-huh. in which an athlete lies face up on a sled going feet first down mm-hmm. at incredible speeds, mm-hmm. 80 plus miles per hour, mm-hmm. which is 130 plus kilometers per hour, mm-hmm. through a predefined course. Mm-hmm. By the way, the sleds do not have brakes at all. Why, why would they? It's exactly. a waste of weight. Well, wouldn't heavier be better? I don't know, actually. I have no idea. So traditional, it's a traditional winter sport in Austria and Germany and has four categories, men's and women's singles, doubles, and team relay. Mm-hmm. Why does it say four? Those are really three categories. Men and women are separate categories. Men, women, oh, single, yeah. double. Because doubles and team relay can be multi. Mm-hmm. So there's no specific rule stating that athletes must be of the same gender or sex to compete in the doubles. Mm-hmm. But I think team re- relay, yeah, team relay has both. Okay. The way team relay works. So 2022 was the first Olympic luge without a single competitor from Switzerland or Great Britain, which are the countries that probably started it all mm-hmm. historically. So act one. Okay. The first losers. The first losers. So who did it first? Well, some of the earliest accounts of sledding are the use of sleds by Simbrick, probably a northern Germanic tribe, mm-hmm. who slid down the sides of mountains to attack, to and, attack. Lo- <laughs> and, yeah, and lose to the Romans <laughs> in attack. 103 BCE. They slid down mountains to attack and lose? Yeah, they lost. They ended up but losing. But they didn't attack to lose, no, so they- that's what you implied. <laughs> they attacked to win. All right, guys, we're not going to win this one, but we're going to look good doing it. So how do you, (laughs) if they just look up the mountain, they're going to know where they're coming from. I think (laughs) their plan was flawed from the beginning. (laughs) Well, they slid down on their shields. 
Ah, okay. so they used their shields as sleds. So they which, didn't they didn't have them up ready when the spears were there. <laughs> well, I imagine you know it's like even if it's not a circular sled, those mm. things move and spin. You have no control over them. So I just imagine I'm like I'm gonna get there. Oh, they're behind me. Yeah. W- what really did them in was it wasn't very intimidating. Instead of a battle cry, they were going. And then that was the beginning of the end. Yeah. So the idea of a sled was an unsteerable plank that was pretty universal until the 1800s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The first recorded references to sled racing appear in writings from Norway in 1480 mm-hmm. and the Urs Mountain region in 1552. Okay. Um, kind of like cave paintings and markings and different stuff along those lines. Mm. But there's also a couple sources that say luge sleds were invented by the Vikings. Okay. And they were designed to slide down the, the sides of of mountains in Ulsa Fjord. I don't know how to say that word and I'm probably butchered it because I'm terrible with it. That's fine. This is what we expect from Tyler every day. But many mark this as the early and very practical use of sleds, Uh which something that is both ancient and widespread. Mm -hmm. They used it in hunting practices and they used it in races for fun and they also used it just to transport gear and equipment and Mm -hmm. pelts and all of that. Yeah. So A lot of people mark Vikings as having the first luge sled type races believed to have taken place in 800 AD or CE, Mm -hmm. if you believe or whatnot, I don't care. With Vikings competing in sled races on the mountains along the Fjords near present day Oslo. Mm -hmm. I think it's just Fords, but it's Mm F-J-O-R-D-S. These luge sleds were invented by the Vikings. They were not aerodynamic, but they were extremely heavy and strong for high speeds. Mm -hmm. So I imagine that any society, though, with snow and a mountain would have done some form of sledding. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I, I guess in writing, the only thing we have to go off is like the written accounts of what it is. So, right. Uh, and so it's the specific type of sled. So mm-hmm. the way a luge sled looks is it's like, you know, those metal running with wood topped sleds that had like mm-hmm. a steering thing a in the toboggan. front. Yeah. Toboggan. Mm-hmm. So those were the original luge style sleds. Uh huh. Okay. However, it is often cited that the sport of luge originated in health spa town of St. Maurice, Switzerland in the late 19th century through the endeavors of hotel entrepreneur Casper Badrut. Wow, that sounded great. I would believe that that was correct. <laughs> you said it with confidence, and that's what you got to do. You just got to say it with confidence. Yeah. So that even people from that country can't protest because you're so confident. <laughs> So he's marked not as the innovator, but the person whose business practices helped to draw in clientele, which led to the development of sports like luge and skeleton, mm. which luge and skeleton are similar in the sense that luge is feet first, skeletons head first. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> God, if you had the option, you're like in, in Switzerland for the first time, it's like, oh, what should I do? Well, you can either luge or skeleton. <laughs> <laughs> Death. Death. Or fun. Or maiming. <laughs> or maiming. <laughs> you want a quick death or a slow death? This is not a Swiss accent. <laughs> you want a quick death or slow death? Either way. <laughs> so these towns were being used as summer resorts by aristocrats. Uh, <laughs> aristocrats. Aristocrats. Um, from all I think over of the Europe. movie too, you know. Yeah. I think of aristocrats. I don't think of aristocrats. <laughs> um, so they're from all over Europe for their clean, temperate Alpine air. Mm-hmm. But Sasbar or Casper, I don't remember what I said before. You said Sasbar. <laughs> uh, thought that was leaving money on the tables as it was empty during the winter time. Mm. So it's a mountainous region, 
So he decided to sell the idea of winter resorting, as well as rooms with food, drink, and activities, like skiing, all the different activities that were there, and sledding and all of those. Mm -hmm. So these tourists who, when they weren't skiing, began adapting delivery boys' sleds for recreation. Mm. So they took these sleds down picturesque mountains, Uh often right onto the main roads in town. Oh, wow. Which led to collisions with pedestrians as they sped down the lanes and alleys of the village. Yes, all over the roads and walkways. Wow, they were just trying to embody their ancestors who attacked from the mountains. (laughs) So needless to say, the townspeople were very annoyed at the great fun that these rich tourists were having. damn tourists. I mean, it sounds great. I mean, why wouldn't you do that? I, I imagine at some point some of them were like, how many people can I take out? Oh, I'm sure. There's always that douchebag that's doing that. <laughs> it dates back to the points system that we joke about when you're driving cars. Like, oh, 10 points for hitting this person. 20 for that one. I would like to say I've never heard of this. You don't actually hit people, but you, you, you've never. Is, when you're driving a car and like people are walking in the way and it's like, oh, that person's got a stroller. That's like 60 points. My God, what is wrong with you? <laughs> You don't actually do it. What is wrong with you? Nothing. I'm not the only one that does it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I want to know the names of the others that do. <laughs> everyone does it, Mark. Not everyone does everyone. that. I did play. There, there, there was a game a long time ago called Carmageddon that its entire point was that you hit and maim and kill people. That's the basis of the joking game that people talked about in their cars. When I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure it is. God, I haven't even thought of Carmageddon in a while. I, I did play the uh, a ton of that, so I, I can't say that I'm totally innocent here. They need to add a new one. It's called Lugageddon. <laughs> Lugageddon. <laughs> <laughs> the spiritual sequel. Yeah, no, that, that game is horrible. <laughs> I, I'm not I'm not one of those people like, oh, violence and video games. Because I played that as a kid. And then a few years later, I was thinking about it. I'm like, oh, that's really messed that's up. That's really messed up. That's really messed up game. I don't know if I like that. <laughs> yeah, don't hit people with vehicles, period. <laughs> the two characters of that game's name, you want to know what they are? It's Max Damage and Diana. I thought you were going to say Casper Barut. <laughs> I was like, oh, well, no. It's Casper He's in here. They referenced him. That's him. No, no. Anyway, off topic. All right. So two excellent books on luge uh-huh. uh, delve into the history of sport were written in 1894. Uh-huh. Both were penned by Englishmen and carry a bit of English superiority. But by their accounts, Davos had become a recreational ski resort by the 1880s. Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, creator of Sherlock Holmes, was an early Davos skier and publicized the sport in some of his articles. And here's a quote from it. The nature of the Englishman is competition. Oh, wait, that's this is a different person. Uh, your accent is hilarious. Keep going. This is Harry Gibson, not uh-huh. Doyle. So the nature of the Englishman is competition writes Harry Gibson in tobogganing on crooked runs. Whether riding, driving, walking, running, or sliding down a hill, he must race. Otherwise, the amusement palls on him. He was probably more cockney. (laughs) The amusement palls on him. (laughs) Where he's running, walking, (laughs) skiing, slipping, losing. Yeah, don't be, don't give him such an aristocratical voice there. Right? Oh, probably right. To these late 1800s writers, the toboggan was the overall category of equipment, and there could be many types of toboggans. Mm-hmm. Of all the carried kinds of sport which men in their incessant search after amusement have discovered, those which have taken the most lasting hold and attained the greatest perfection 
appear to be the various forms of rapid motion. Upon earth or water, in which one man's strength or skill can be tested against another's, writes Theodore Andrea Cook. Upon earth and water, <laughs> where one the, uh, man's skills can be tested against another. <laughs> I don't even know. You started Scottish. You went like you. You went the full British Isles. There. You, you circled the the whole thing without ever stepping foot on the land of the UK. You just you swam. I really went in the uh, the the rapid motion upon water. <laughs> water, water. Um, yeah, you know war. <laughs> Uh, this was in the other 1894 book. Mm. According Man, to this is a good book. <laughs> I gotta get this book. <laughs> According to some accounts, it was in Davos that toboggan races had been held to the great entertainment of tourists in the early 1880s. Mm -hmm. This is further backed by the first modern race originating in Davos. Mm -hmm. So the appointed to first modern luge race was in Switzerland in 1883, mm -hmm. although it was called a toboggan race at the time. Okay. It was organized by the hotels in Davos. Held on a road between Devos and the nearby village of Klosters, 21 competitors representing seven nations, Austria, Sweden, Netherlands, England, Germany, Switzerland, and the U.S. Wow. The track for the race covered approximately four kilometers between Devos and the nearby village that was Klosters, and it took place all the way from the towns of St. Wolfgang to Klosters, 2.5 miles. The and track? It was, yeah. Whoa. And it was all on like the roads and streets and mountainsides. Oh, so they didn't even have like the curved like walls and stuff like this right now. They were just like no, going on it the was, roads. So the way they did the tracks back then, and I have a picture of this if you want to see it, mm. is they just built up, they dug in and built up these giant snow walls. Oh, well, it's, it, what I'm looking at is a plowed road where all the snow from plowing are, are just built up straight on the sides as high as it can so they don't slope out. So it is looking like straight walls on each side of it. Yeah, and it's just hard-packed snow. Okay, all right. That particular course that I just showed you is mm -hmm. actually the Cresta Run. The Cresta Run. Cresta. Cresta Run. Cresta Run. And okay. it still stands today. Okay. So... Hotel operators in nearby St. Moritz took notice of the fact that Devos was doing that. And according to the St. Moritz Tobogganing Club, in the winter of 1884 through 1885, five guests of the Cullum Hotel formed an outdoor amusement committee and built a sled racing course to compete with Davos, which became the Cresta Run. It carries English private school vibe with the names of featured areas within this curvy downhill track. These are still used in traditional natural luge runs today. The shuttlecock. The shuttlecock. The battle door. The battle door. <laughs> and the terrace. Oh, okay. So the Cresta run was initially a sledding run, but it became so popular that it soon changed. Andrea Cook, the same person who wrote that last one I read, mm -hmm. wrote, Machines going down in ever-increasing rapidity were found to wear away the banks too fast. Little by little, the run became not merely iced, but actual ice, mm -hmm. which meant more speed and consistency. Soon, sled runs were constructed of ice, which was celebrated by the speed junkies, but mourned by those that noted that a hilarious spill into a pillowy snow is more fun than a crash into hard, unforgiving ice. All right. Interesting. How hard and unforgiving? Like stone. So was the crash part of the event? Oh, absolutely. It's part of the sport. Oh. Why? Because it's funny when you hit a pillowy snow patch. For who? Both the rider and the onlooker. 
I mean, it was fun for the rider to hit people. Oh, I so don't know maybe that. the people are getting their revenge by turning the walls into ice. Well, we can't generalize and say it was fun for all of them, but, you know, maybe some of them. Yeah. Anyway, the first recorded use of the term luge dates back to 1905 and derives from the Savoy and Swiss dialect of a French word. Mm. That word being luge, meaning small coasting sled. Oh. The sport is also called luge tobogganing, but abbreviated to luge for most people because tobogganing is a long word to type out. Okay, all right, fair enough. Governing of the sport didn't start until 1913 with the founding of the International Sled Sport Federation, mm-hmm. and it governed all sledding sports, including bobsled and skeleton. Shortly after the finding of the ISSF in 1914, the first European luge championships were held in Reichenfels. Austria, uh-huh. involving single and double-seater events. Mm. Later in 1935, the ISF merged into the Federation Internationale de Bobsled et de Tobogganing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> FIBT. Uh-huh, yeah. F- good old FIBT. <laughs> Fib- <laughs> in 1955, Luge had its first world championship held in uh-huh. Oslo, Norway, and two years later in 1957, Luge officially split off from the FITB and de- made its own governing body, Federation Internationale Luge de Course, FIL. Okay, interesting. Now it started spreading overseas. It was ni- 1950s when it eventually spread to Canada. Okay, that's that. I would have thought there would be first because you mentioned a tournament before that had the U.S. in it. Yeah, the first actual race mm-hmm. had the U.S. Uh-huh. within it, but not Canada. But not Canada. Oh, interesting. So it was spread by bobsledder Vic Emery, who introduced the sport at a ski area in Quebec. Mm-hmm. He went on to be the first Olympic bobsled medalist in 1964 Winter Games mm-hmm. and was the first Canadian luge champion. Damn. Canada did not participate in the inaugural Olympic competition of 1964, but made its debut four years later in the 1968 Winter Games in Grenoble, France. Damn. And he placed a team-high 31st in men's competition and 12th in the women's event. Canada did. Damn. The U.S. was surprisingly slow to adopt the sport with the first luge run in North America being built at Lolo Hot Springs, Montana in 1965. Uh-huh. Although the United States competed in every Olympic luge event from 1964 to 1976, it wasn't until 1979 that the United States formed their luge association. Mm-hmm. They also created their first American track, was completed in the year that they used it for the 1980 Winter Olympics at Lake Placid, New York. Mm-hmm. Since then, the U.S. luge program has been greatly improved with a second artificial track built in Park City, Utah for the 2002 Winter Games in Salt Lake City. Okay. Luge sleds over the years. Early sleds were often made of wood and were called Swiss sleds with wooden runners designed like two fixed skis attached upon a wooden platform for the loser to sit or lie upon. Mm. Originally, when these races first started out, everybody just sat on the sled. Yeah. It wasn't until later they're like, oh, aerodynamics, oh, lay we down. Can lean down. Yeah, that way we can't see where we're going. Just trust that the wall will just turn Why me. even have the sled? Just go. Just like squeeze tight and go down. It's like a water slide. So... As the desire for faster and faster sleds arose, they began to evolve, with metal runners becoming the earliest improvement, which English riders from 1964 do acknowledge that some Americans had brought a metal runner sled, which became known as the America. Okay. Happened to be around the time of the invention of the flexible flyer sled. The America. The America. Wow. 
So it happened to be around the invention of the flexible flyer sled, which was created in Philadelphia. So it's clear that the United States and its wealthy tourists oh, wow, yeah. were involved in speed improvements. Ooh, cool. Eventually, they moved away from a combination of wood and metal to involving plastics. Mm-hmm. And today, luge sleds sit lower, made of lighter weight materials with plastic and fiberglass construction. And they are fitted with wide runners under the skis, only faced with steel, hmm. which you think heavier, but they went lighter. Right? Yeah. I'll explain when we get into the time well, deluge mean, part. Heavier makes sense because, like, if it can, fi- all it has to fight is air resistance, right? Yeah. And if it's, well, and like, friction. And, and friction, friction of the yeah. ice. Well, yeah, that would be more. But the, what I learned recently about skating mm-hmm. is the blades are not a knife's blade. Yeah, they're yeah. they're flat on the bottom. Yeah, and it's like curling where it's melting. Well, it's not curling because it's the droplets for curling, but for skating, it's actually melting the ice as it goes. So for a faster, you kind of want more pressure because it's going to melt the ice where it's going down, and it instantly refreezes behind it. But that's how skates work and can carve at speed is they're not cutting the ice, they are melting it and skating on a bubble. So probably debuggers would be the same way and more weight would work for that, right? You would think that, but there's a level, because there's a balancing act, right? Because mm-hmm. if you have too much weight, then you're digging in too deep and increasing your friction coefficient instead of decreasing it. Mm-hmm. It's like a balancing act. You want to be able to create the water, but at the same time, not dig in too deep to where you're suddenly scraping hard against the front edge. Yeah, that's true. So the Olympics... Despite a long history and well-established competitions in Switzerland, Germany, and Austria, luge didn't appear into the Olympic Games until 1964 in Innsbruck Winter Games, with men's, women's, and mixed events taking place on their own track. Uh-huh. So many critics complained that the sport was too dangerous and protested the fact that luge was being added. Mm-hmm. Until then, most luge competitions took place on iced alpine roads and sometimes on tracks with banked sidewalls like the Crestor One mm-hmm. Run, like the I original you. one with the plowed roads on yeah. the side. Yeah. The traditional form of the sport evolved into the two disciplines Olympic luge, uh-huh. which is now run on the same run as the bobsleds. Okay. Which and I was going to ask, luge. like, bobsledding sounds very similar to this. I imagine they had to have come from the same origin similar but different so bobsled existed before luge did oh then why aren't we talking about bobsled (laughs) seems like if we go back to the history of luge we gotta talk about bobsledding right but luge's foundation had nothing to do with bobsled it was founded on its own natural sledding are you sure about that i did the research are you sure they're they're so similar it's going downhill who's to say the guys on the shields who went down and attacked and died uh they 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 some of their survivors when one went bobsledding one went luging well i guess we'll find out when i finish doing the bobsled one all right fair enough because luge and skeleton were found around the same time mm, okay. but there's no citation in the history of luge on bobsled mm. other than this part the olympics okay so the natural track is the luger guides a sled through unbanked curves mm. much like the crestor run with the flat walls mm-hmm. down a flat twisting natural ice track so there's a authentic natural luge run in muskegon michigan mm-hmm that a lot of people that i know have actually gone down it because our my boy scout troop used to go there and mm. stay within a why is there a submarine in Michigan? But there was a submarine in Michigan, and that's yeah, why, why they there stayed a there. In Michigan? The, I don't know. Well, I guess it's surrounded by lakes, and th- they do have access to the Atlantic Ocean, so I guess technically. How big a submarine are we talking about here? It's a military submarine that can fit, like, 30 people sleeping on. Oh, damn. So it's pretty big. Damn. So... These are obviously often located on mountain roads, paths. Wait, why is there... Su- I must have missed something. Did they take the submarine down the mountain? Did I don't they, know. Did they bobsled in the submarine? <laughs> no, but there's a submarine... It was just... The story is 
there's a lose track near this submarine that my oh, Boy Scout okay. troop stayed in. All right, it yeah. was finishing the story in my no, there's head. There's no connection. There's there wasn't, no connection. There wasn't a submarine that was picked up by a, a that's typhoon. How, that's just... how bobsled came about. They took a submarine down. And yeah, I exactly. <laughs> ah, I see. It makes perfect sense. <laughs> Conversely, the artificial track is the Olympic runs, which is just the bobsled run using high-tech, artificially refrigerated surfaces with mm. banked things. Mm-hmm. In 1976, Luge begins to use the same track as bobsled. Mm. All the other Olympics before 1976 had their own runs created. They were not using the same run as the bobsleds. Okay, I see. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Act two. All right. Time to lose. Time to lose. Baby Mark climbing up the hill, all bundled up with my winter clothing. Stomp, stomp. I see, after I get to the top of the mountain, I see one half is dedicated to apparently bobsledding, and I don't want to do that. And I see luge, all right? And there's a luge coach standing there. Well, you're missing the first part. What? Mark, you need to go build your sled. <laughs> <laughs> so the coach sends... Put jabs his finger to baby marker. Get back down there and go build your sled. <laughs> no, he put points to the shed and the wood and the trees over there and uh-huh. gives you an axe and goes, get to work. Uh-huh, I see. Okay, so it's like a rocky training montage. I got to chop down my tree. Okay, but this is clear direction at least. It's different than uh, previous experiences. Okay, oh, yeah. So this like, is built for baby mark. Right. So I, I wrote this for baby mark. Ah, interesting. Starting off rather intense, but all right. I cut down a tree. Uh, what do I do? All right. You have wood. Uh-huh. Metal, plastic, and fiberglass. Your max weight of the sled is 23 kilograms, 50 pounds for singles, or 59.5 pounds for doubles, 27 kilograms. Okay. You're built in it for singles. Okay. The maximum width from side to side is 550 millimeters. Can't go too wide. Okay. All right. And the maximum height from the surface is 120 millimeters. Uh-huh. All right. Okay. No, the maximum height, the length, like mm-hmm. the length of the sled from front to back. Why does it say height? That would be length. Anyway, components of the sled. All right, so you got to build runners. Mm -hmm. These are the part of the sled that are made from fiberglass. Okay. These are the main steering mechanisms that help the slider in maneuvering the slippery slopes. They are manufactured in one continuous piece. Mm -hmm. All right. Then you have the bridge. The bridge connects your runners to the sled. They're sometimes angled to ensure mobility, and the manufacturing metal used to build a bridge is steel Mm -hmm. because you want those runners to stay on there. Right. Then you got your pod. It's a part you lay upon. It's made of fiberglass. You want it lightweight. Why are you yelling at me? I'm just a baby. <laughs> That's a lot. You got to have your plank. Okay. I'm your coach. I don't think a child should be working with fiberglass, but all right. <laughs> all right. Your steels, that needs to go underneath those runners. That's what's touching the surface of the ice. Do I? What tree do I chop that down no, from? No, we have, we have them out here. You got to okay. forge it. You got your blacksmithing <laughs> table. All right. Okay. This is forging the fire, all baby right, Mark. Okay. Then you got to have your grips. You got to be able to hold on to something. Otherwise, uh-huh. you know, you slow down. Also, you're off the sled. Okay. And you can't finish the race off the sled. You're disqualified. Oh. And then you have your bow. This is where your calves rest against the front. They're little scoopy uppies that you see on the front of like Christmas sleds and stuff like that. Okay. All right. They're used for steering. You need to be able to push your calves against them to kind of bend the runners so that you can turn using ah, your calves. Okay. Because it's not just shifting body weight. This also helps. 
Okay. So that's your steering wheel. Make sure those are built sturdy okay. and ready to have your calves press against. All right, okay. All right, so your runner needs to be 50 millimeters wide, all right? That's what you want. You know, big, long, and 65 millimeters in height. They're long and they're wide. Well, 55 millimeters is not that long. 50 millimeters. Still not that long. That's the bottom. That's five centimeters. Yeah, yeah, and that's 65 millimeters height. Big. Yeah, no, it's very. You small. said it should be very long, and this is like no, those are different things. No, no, it's very small. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> they're different, coach. They're different. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Steel's width, uh-huh. twenty three millimeters. You want it flat. Uh-huh. Thirty one millimeters max. Whoa. Like I said, the surface needs to be flat because you got to be able to melt that ice and float on water. Okay. Hand guards. Uh-huh. Got to be outside the runners. Uh-huh. Starting from the middle portion of the bridge to the front portion of the bridge, all right? Okay. That's your slide. What was a runner again? The runner is the, the long thing that your steels sit underneath. Okay. The fiberglass thing. Where was the wood? There's no wood anymore. You sent me to chop down this tree. Where was the you, wood? The wood is for the forge. The forge? To make the metal. You got to get wood, the heat. Wood doesn't burn hot enough for that. Uh, oh. You got to make it into charcoal and then burn the coal. Oh, God. I got, okay. All right. Uh, technically, I think would work. <laughs> all right. Uh, now you got to gather your gear. Oh, uh, my gear. <laughs> so your slide's built. Good job. What Looks tree great. do I chop down for my gear? None. It's just in the storage sled. Oh, okay. All right, you got a helmet. Uh, Because all international competitions require a standardized helmet. Okay. Got to have your face shield. Uh Uh-huh. Because you don't want ice and debris hitting you in the face. I don't want that. So it's got to be clear, and it's got to protect you from cold and injuries. Okay. We don't want you scraping up. You got to have your neck strap. Because those uh-huh. G-forces are really going to pull your head to try and hit the ice. Well, I'm gotta, a baby, so my neck isn't exactly developed. So you got a bigger neck strap. You got okay. that thick boy that's going to hold your neck up when you're really hitting those Gs. Okay, all right. How many Gs can a baby strap? <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, God, no. You don't, don't Google that. <laughs> all right, now you got your racing gloves. Okay. They're leather, so Do you got to kill, <laughs> kill a deer. And then you got to put spikes on them. Ah, why? Because you need to be able to grip the ice and propel yourself forward at the starting line. Ah. And I'll explain how that works later. Okay. You got to have your racing suit. It's got skin-tight luge outfit. Uh-huh. Like what I wore in InSpace with Markiplier when I was that galactic cat. Sure. All right? That actually was uh, an actual, like, luge suit. Okay. Booties. Bo- booties? Yeah. They're called booties. They're your shoes. Okay. They're designed to be lightweight and aerodynamic. Uh The sole of the shoe cannot be more than 20 millimeters thick. Okay. (laughs) Why? Because otherwise... Oh, they don't want people looking too tall on the podium. (laughs) You can't be cheating on the height. height. (laughs) It's also designed to aid athletes in keeping their legs in a straight position. So they're like, they have support in them so that your feet don't fall and then get caught and then you flip over the front of the sled. Okay. All right. I don't think 20 millimeters is that much support, but okay. The the 20 millimeters is the sole. There's actually like in the actual booty shoe mm-hmm. that supports so that you ke- helps keep your legs straight. Okay. Got it. Now you got to find a track. Luckily, you're at one right now, but you got to start small. So take that small one. Okay. I'm taking this small one. All right. So now we're going to talk about how you actually lose. Okay. I'm ready. All right. To start, mm-hmm. you sit up straight on the sled okay. and grab your starting handle. So there's That's little the handles on, on the, the outside. Side. Okay. Yep. And so you'll slide forward. Uh-huh. 
and then pull your launch yourself back and then launch back forward as fast as you can and let go of the handles. Okay, all right. Are the handles like on the ground outside, like attached? Is it like yeah, they're they're, through they're, like, they're a like, gate? like yeah, they're like metal rods that stick out with handles at the top. Why do I gotta make those? You don't have to make those. Those you are said already on I the track. You had to make those. No, 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 no. You have to use them. Oh, okay. They're already there. You, I made these for you. Oh, thank you, coach. So you got to use that stretch shortening cycle uh -huh. because then you you get more elasticity in the muscle and it really springs you forward. Mm. Now, once you release those handles, this is where the spikes come in. Okay. You're going to sweep and paddle with your hands at least three times to really kind of pick up even more speed. Could I do it more? No. Once you once you pass a certain point, it, it's, you're disqualified if you do it more. Okay, but you have to do it at least three times. So it says three to four times until reaching the end of the launch zone. Ah, okay. So if you, it could be less, but you want to try and get in as many as possible to get your speed up at the start as, yeah, as yeah, yeah, good yeah, as yeah. possible. So it's bobsled that they do the pushing and sprinting first. Correct. Ah. And then they climb in. In luge, they launch themselves with the handles and then paddle scrape. Like, if you were in a boat uh -huh. and you had no oars, you would just kind of, like, paddle swim. Like, swinging your arms down and into the water. Uh -huh. You're doing the same thing, but on the ice surface, I so feel, the spikes are there to dig in. I feel like a paraplegic athlete would be great at this. Oh, yeah. Like, if they're in a wheelchair all the time and they just got to use only their upper body and their lower body, like, is, is like, atrophied and they could just, like, uh, 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 like yeah. they could really get some speed in there. 100%. Yeah, wow. And now you got to know how to steer. I'm a baby. I don't know. Got to apply pressure. You know that bridge I was telling you about? Or not the bridge. The, uh, the bow. The bow. That's where you got to apply pressure to the opposite side. So, like, if you're turning right, you want to apply pressure with your left calf uh -huh. pushing on the right side of the bow uh -huh. so that you're kind of turning your ski to that side. Okay. You're also going to lean and use your head and shoulders to lean the direction you want to go because weight allows you to be able to shift that. But you got to balance because yeah. you don't want to fall off your, your sled going 80 miles an hour. Yeah. Is it one blade in the center? No, there's two. Okay. There's two I thought runners. it was like a ski shoe. I thought it was like Mario, you know, when he's in the boot in the games and he's just hopping around. I thought that's what it was, but with a ski boot. This is what it kind of looks like. It's like a, a butt. Right. It's two, it's two ski blades on either side. Got it. Yeah. Okay. And you okay. see how the bow is where their legs go to the outside of wait, it? Wait. You. Wait. Does this thing not... Are, is that it? That's it. Are you just holding yourself in like a limbo position the whole time? You, if you've ever seen like the planking challenge, you are doing that on your back. It's wait. basically just under your butt. So I'm not fully enclosed? No. Oh. It is open. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking bobsledding. Oh. Yeah. This is why it's dangerous. Oh, there ain't nothing stopping you from flying off. Nope. And there's no brakes. Oh, well, you got your shoesies. Yeah. Your booties. You got your booties, but those are designed to be slick because if they catch the ice when you do that, then you're going to break your leg. Mm. All right. So you got to use precise mixes of shifting your body weight and pressure with your calves to be able to turn. Okay. Now stopping at the bottom of the track. Uh-huh. After you cross the finish line, you're going to sit up, kind of put your feet on the ice. They're designed to be slick so you don't stop too fast. And you'll lift the sled uh -huh. like in the front uh -huh. so that you're like digging in the back corners of your runners uh -huh. to then slow down. Uh -huh. It's going to take a long time. That's why there's a long run out. And uh, also trying to stay in control and not falling off of it during this part is also very difficult. It requires even more balance. Uh. But that's how you got to try and stop. It's, uh. it's really fun. Uh. So it requires balance and patience because you're going to be sliding for a while. I know on this podcast we've talked about doing these things. Are we going to do this? I mean, are we going to lose? We can. There are smaller runs that you don't go that fast. The one in Muskegon is one of those. Uh. They are open to the public during the events, it's not that bad. 
It's not that bad. It, everything you've described sounds this like is, death this and This is danger. the high tier professional era. Yeah, but there's still like, I know the reason baby Mark is here is because if you want to go to the Olympics, you practically have to start training when you're a child. Yes. And so there are, there are luge, highly competitive luge youth leagues out there and where kids are cutthroat and trying to go as fast as they can. Are we going to do this? We can do it. No, I mean, I'm saying that with fear. <laughs> are we going to do this? Yeah, let's do it. No! Yeah, let's no! do it. Come on, stare fear uh, in the uh, face. No, I'm okay. <laughs> I think you're going too fast. To, fear is like just right by you. So in the, you don't have to do the balancing act that they do in the Olympics like you do here. The uh -huh. Muskegon run, I think, only gets you up to like maybe 10 miles an hour. Okay. So the runs are pretty, pretty easy. Okay, if Baby Mark wants to bail, where does Baby Mark go? Like, let's say I'm going down and it's, shit's bad. How do you get out safely? You just kind of roll off the sled and let the sled go away, and then you slowly come to a stop in the track. And then everybody yells at you for ruining the track. So not only do you wipe out everyone <laughs> yells at you. It happens in the Olympics. It's very ah, rare. Got but. all this blood all over it. Hey, it's better than in a bobsled. If you, the bobsled flips over, you got nowhere to go. You're trapped in that thing. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Well, you got your buddies, so. <laughs> yeah. You, you know, it's balancing buddies. on other people's heads, too. You yeah, know? exactly. Uh, everyone get their neck strength up. <laughs> One, two, neck bridge. So, competition singles at the start of all runs. Mm -hmm. Each athlete is weighed with their sled. And they also check the temperature of the sled runners because they don't want them heated up to get the advantage of melting the ice. Sure, sure. Um, that and it's is an advantage. So it's compared to an official control runner that they actually have slated right next to the launch area. Mm -hmm. And it's just set to that temperature. And so the competitor's runners must be within five degrees Celsius of the control runner's temperature. Interesting. Interesting that they would control the temperature that closely. Yeah. Because it, it is a distinct advantage if you're able to melt the ice, especially in the starting zone, because a good starting time is a massive indicator for a faster run huh. because you get to a higher speed and you get out of the launch area faster. All right. Um, so the other interesting fact is there's no maximum weight for athletes. Uh -huh. But if you weigh less than 90 kilograms, if you're a guy, which uh -huh. is 198 pounds, uh -huh. you can add up to 13 kilograms or 28.6 pounds of additional weight to act as a ballast. And for women, if they're less than 165 pounds, they're allowed to add 10 kilograms, 22 pounds. Mm -hmm. So there's formulas to add into the amount of additional weight can happen. So 90 kilograms minus body weight equals additional weight max added. Okay. Same thing for women, which is 75. So in luge, only one sled is permitted on the course per time. Track is clear is given and singles luge has 30 seconds to start. So you're in the starting zone and you have a certain amount of time and then they time you based on when you release the hand grips. That's uh, the starting moment. What? The most interesting part, mm -hmm. for a run to be deemed legal, mm -hmm. an athlete must be in contact with the sled when he or she crosses the timing light at the finish line. If you cross without the sled, you're immediately disqualified. Okay, but you could bail off the sled afterwards. Correct. Okay. If you crash on the course and receive no outside assistance and still finish with the sled unassisted, the run is counted. But if you crash and fall off, can you get back on? Yes. Oh. As long as nobody comes on to assist you, uh -huh. you can still finish the race. Okay. Luge, the overall winner, and this is why it's important, is determined by the total time on multiple runs. So the number of runs varies depending on the nature of the event. But usually in Olympics, there's four runs, two runs per day over two days. All of those runs times are added together to give you your final time. And that's how they determine podium. None are removed. So you got to be consistent and you got to be fast. You can have the fastest run, but still lose. Interesting. Yeah. That's 
weird. My baby brain cannot comprehend that. Yeah. So it rewards consistency, endurance, and the ability to withstand pressure. Interesting. Okay. All right, then. Yeah. So in doubles, I, I got to show you this. Okay. In doubles, they lay on top of each other. Uh -huh. So it looks like this. <laughs> <laughs> Cozy. <laughs> so the bottom person basically becomes the seat. So literally what I'm seeing there is the sled is no bigger. They nope. just so what I was so shocked before about is that when they're out there, the whole full upper body is hanging off the back end and your your legs from your like knees down are hanging off the front end. You gotta keep yourself rock still. For doubles, the sled is the same. You just put another person on there, and that's so funny that is incredible why would they just be like hey buddy uh i would love to go down at the same time <laughs> like, how did that conversation start it's like it's my turn it's my turn all right we can compromise here. <laughs> flip a coin Ting. Oh, i'm on the bottom <laughs> so the bottom person obviously kind of steers the top half because yeah. they're further back the person on top is your your sight so they kind of yeah. communicate Ru oh, and they're the ones steering the runners <laughs> yeah if you saw the one oh. guy on the bottom's head's like back and he's like I trust this man with my life. Uh-huh. Okay. All right. And then the other one's just gripping with their butt cheeks onto <laughs> the person below them. Just, Which, by the way, the person on the bottom is like trying to help hold the top guy's legs uh -huh, up. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. This is this is so... God, I've never seen this in the Winter Olympics. And I've watched the Winter Olympics. I've never seen this. I've never witnessed it. <laughs> oh, my God. So relay is also really interesting. So it starts with a female loser uh -huh. with her gate already open. Okay. Once she completes her run, she must strike a touchpad with her hand to open the next gate for the male loser, hmm. all while the time continues. There's no pauses. Wait, say that again. So, female loser starts. Okay. They get to the bottom. They have to hit a touchpad. Uh, that then opens the gate for the, the male loser uh, to go next. Okay. Then, once they finish, they have to hit the touchpad for then the two people, the double loser, Oh, to then run. So it's man, woman, then double. Yes. Can double be men's and women's? Yes. There is. You can be mixed or the same. Okay. All right then. Why isn't the top person face down and turned sixty nine? Because <laughs> then you can't see. Yes, you can. You look up. <laughs> then that's maybe that's a new one you can invent. The luge lugitin. Uh, no, we don't need the lugitin. We just need to innovate. This is like when they did the but high that, that, jump. That's combining going backwards luge and for the skeleton though. Oh, because yeah. skeletons had first. Oh, that's right. I forgot. So it'd be the lugitin or the skeleton. <laughs> the skeleton. What, really, what really is the skeleton? I imagine is face down, looking forward. Yes. And yeah. So you're laying on need, your stomach. What we need is to reinvent the skeleton, where you got to your back. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about more injuries. No, no. And then a double skeleton, where you're one's face up on the <laughs> thing and one's face down <laughs> on the other person, so they're chin to chin, looking up like this, like whoa. <laughs> <laughs> then everyone can see and everyone's all fine and you know it's tip to tip but it's okay you know there's a little sword fighting going on <laughs> so yeah i i think we've really invaded the sport here so that's that's losing yeah it sure is 
So why is Skeleton a different event, and when did that split off? So I didn't get into that because there might be enough to talk about that in a Skeleton Primer, and there was enough content here for just the luge. Mm -hmm. um, I can't imagine that the history of Skeleton is, is it's, it's, any different. It falls along the same. I just Maybe we could combine it with the bobsled. That's like, what I will do, is the, the, the additional sledding sports. Okay, all right. Um, then. But it, I know it's head first. Uh -huh. I know at some points it was banned because of injuries okay. from the Olympics itself, because it was in the Olympics, then it was removed, and then it was re-added. Okay. Right um, because of safety reasons. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, because people going headfirst are more likely to break their neck. Okay. I know it's more dangerous. I know you lay on your stomach, and I don't think there's a doubles. I think there's only a single skeleton. Why not? They're not brave enough for doubles. <laughs> I mean... I mean, come on. <laughs> if they can do doubles luge, and that is a respected event where people take it very seriously, why would they not have double skeleton? I don't know. Double oh, here's the starting block of Doubles Loose. <laughs> God, I wish we were a video podcast. This is incredible. Oh. The, the second picture I see when I look up Double Luge is a YouTube video with a thumbnail. Just like, why? Yeah. <laughs> it is the silliest thing. God. Man, those pointed toes, though. Yes, yeah, so the skeleton has a running start as opposed to luge. So they uh, run and then they dive onto their sled. Ah, interesting. Okay. All right. So that they yeah, that would be a faster event I imagine is just skeleton because you can get that better start. Yeah, and more mm -hmm. dangerous. Yeah. The double luge there are just so, <laughs> so funny. <laughs> God, that's hilarious. I love that. I'm not trying to mock the sport. I know that these sports are uh, athletes very serious. No one going into this doesn't know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's great. That's great. So for skeleton, they run around 40 meters before assuming the head first prone position as they slide down this course. Mm -hmm. Again, their speeds are actually similar. Um, oh, yeah? Yeah. So that's the only difference is the basically the start and the fact that they lay down head first. Mm -hmm. The steering is a little bit different because you don't have that bridge in the front. Yeah. I think it's mostly just leaning mm -hmm. unless there's something with the handholds. Because I know bobsled, you have steering things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, which bobsleds do have brakes. Oh, good for them. Because I imagine they can't get out and put their feet down, you know. Correct. Well, what they could do is they could all stand up and then put their arms out and air break it. Whenever <laughs> <laughs> <everyone> paddles <laughs> like that. <laughs> <laughs> you just see the one guy at the back just comes out with, like, cosplay wings and he's just, like, flapping. <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, like, they could probably save weight if they're trying to lower the weight by having a parachute brake. But whatever. That's not neither here nor there. I think the brakes are still lighter. Mm. And a parachute. Man, the double. <laughs> I'm still laughing. It's great. It's great. You know, that would be entertaining. I would watch that. I wouldn't do it. Sorry, no matter how hard you ask, Tyler, I'm not doing double luge with you. Aww. I will do the 69 luge with you. <laughs> the lugeaton, I'm in. <laughs> the lugeaton. <laughs> New sport coined on this podcast, yeah. the lugeaton. Yeah, what has to be like, it has to start with the, the luge where you move their arm, but you're sprinting from behind. Behind, and you're trying to meet me and you'll dive and you have to <laughs> land perfectly like a and then you, we hit the maximum speed going wait down so there. you're on the bottom <laughs> i'm on the bottom or you're on the bottom depends on who's better in that position we'll just figure it out you know and then like a like a like a dive off of a diving board into the so much speed it'll be incredible we're gonna innovate we're gonna revolutionize this entire sport that sounds absolutely hilarious though mm -hmm. yeah well i learned a lot yeah what do you think of luge? I mean, I've always, uh, well, I mean, I, I didn't know the difference between them, but uh, luge sounds fun. I mean, it is an evolution of just sliding down a hill. 
Yeah. Um, on a sled. Uh, this is very sled-like. It is literally a toboggan. Um, and then, you know, you could die. That's always fun. I mean, you, there's a lot of ways to die. <laughs> dumb ways to <laughs> die. Well, I, I don't know if this would qualify as a dumb one, but um, yeah, it's it. I could see. I uh, uh, All right, I'll do it. We'll do a video of it. Let's yeah. Try it. Let's try Luge. Yeah, let's we'll, try it. We'll have to find a, find a track near us. All right, we'll do that. We're going to uh, eventually, as this podcast evolves, we're going to be filming a lot of us trying these things. Maybe we can find someone who is a professional loser, mm -hmm. and then we can uh, do a video with them. Yeah. That would be nice. Yeah, I think there's a lot of things that we have talked about. Like, I really want to try curling, mm -hmm. which, by the way, I think there's a curling place in uh, Texas. Oh, yeah? Yeah. My Texas. I don't know. I think they're all over the place. Mm. Um, the only reason I know of this is I think a friend of mine actually just tried curling and he did it in Texas. Oh, okay. All right, That's the only reason I'm like, I think there's one there. Well, I'm sure there are many other many places, but we will get to that. But for now, we're all done. Yes. We're done with this. We're done with this episode. Thank you, Tyler, for your thorough and really comprehensive explanation of losing. Hopefully everyone out there has an appreciation for it and you're just going to go sprinting to the hills. Sprinting to the hills. Yeah, you could even make your own loose track in your backyard if you live in a snowy area. Just build up some snowy walls and create a path for your sled to go down. That's a lot of work, man. I've done it. You've done it? Yeah. When did you do it that? Was in, and it was in a tiny hill in the backyard of a neighbor's house. My brother and I built up walls. It was mostly so that we made sure we hit the ramp. <laughs> uh, oh, the ramp, yeah. Yeah, is there um, a ramp in losing? Why is no. there no ramps? Come on. They... That's a new sport. Luge jump. Luge jump. <laughs> it's like ski jump, but you're on a luge. All right, sure. And Why in midair, you bail and pull out a chute. And yeah. Why isn't there doubles ski jump? <laughs> <laughs> the one person is just monkey hugging just the other behind, one. You know, they're foot to foot. And then, yeah, when they when they spread out, they just got to go uh, with no, their no, arms no, no, and no. flap. The one has to be upside down. It's got to be head in the crotch. Oh, no. What it's got to be is one's backwards so that they're going the opposite way, and then when they go out, they flip upside down in a helicopter. They go... <laughs> <laughs> no, they take off the skis and put it on the other person and switch positions. <laughs> <laughs> they have to change their clothes mid-air before they land, <laughs> fully naked, and then back on and... Boom! Oh, no! Didn't quite make it! Oh, no! <laughs> I don't think that ski's supposed to go there. Look, why don't one of the Winter Olympics hire us? You know, they, we could really show them how it's done. Yeah, we could create new sports for them to be like, oh, great idea. I, I think know. more people would watch. I think they would. Anyway. Right, guys? <laughs> <laughs> all right, we're, uh, we're all done here. Go check out the, the merch store, store.gmfst.com. We'll be adding more and more new stuff there. And uh, make sure and check out the, all of the places that you listen. Hit that follow button. Check out Mark on his channels and check out me on my channels, Apocalypse underscore 12 and Markiplier for Mark. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Bye. Bye.